morning and happy new year. How y'all feeling? Y'all feeling all right? Amen, amen, amen. Y'all glad to be here? All right, all right. Glad to, uh, for us to be able to gather with one another and to celebrate our Lord as we uh, should on a regular basis. Just a few things before um, we dig in uh, to today's message. I um, want to thank everyone for their prayers for my wife um, at the end of last year. Really thank you for that. It was very, very helpful. Um, she finished chemo a few, like, few days before Christmas, but we will be uh, finding things out if she does another scan, and they'll be looking at things and to make sure uh, to affirm that. But we, of course, are believing the living God for what he does, and that is he heals. How many of you know your God is a healer? You know him as a healer. And so we are, we are thankful. We're also thankful for all of y'all uh, who sent meals. Um, y'all sent a lot of meals. It was good food. I think I gained a few more pounds uh, because of the pasta ministry of Epiphany Fellowship. Uh, <laughs> pasta and bread. I love y'all. And so it was, uh, and desserts. Um, I ain't going to say no name. Somebody brought like 40 desserts over our house. I was like, what, they, what are we going to do with this? And my kids was like, Dad, I know what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> and so, again, um, the love that was poured out through you guys made the time a lot easier. Uh, thank you guys for the prayers. The ladies from the church that came over before my wife's chemo, that meant a lot to my wife for you guys to just come over, sit with her for a few hours, and just speak words of life into her and pray for her. So thank you all for that. Um, also, I'm excited for a solemn assembly. How many of you have participated in solemn assembly before with us? By show of hands, put your hand up real, real high, real, real high. Yeah, and so it's very, very important. Every first week of the year, uh, Epiphany Fellowship uh, does what's called Solemn Assembly. Somebody say Solemn Assembly. Solemn Assembly is a very, very important time that we uh, set aside to be consecrated for yet another year. We're already consecrated in Christ, yet um, the Bible implores us based on uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, to set aside Christ as Lord in your heart. And when you do that reality of setting him aside as Lord, giving him a unique enthroned place, that doesn't happen by uh, you saying it over and over and over again, <clears throat> but it happens uh, based on drawing, drawing near to him and being willing to walk with him. And I believe that fasting and prayer is a huge part of that. This year's statement, you will receive some sheets out there that will walk you through fasting. So if you've never fasted before and you're kind of looking like, I don't, I, what is that? And what does that have to do with anything? <clears throat> it's one of the spiritual disciplines. Somebody say spiritual disciplines. Spiritual. Let, me just, let me just give you a, 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 a quick little something, something real quick. Spiritual disciplines are those means of grace that God has given to his people to draw near to him and him to utilize as you grab a hold of them to grow in him. And so if you don't spend time in these things, God doesn't grow you. That's what my book Unleash is about. And so one of the things that we, we, we believe, we believe in prayer, we believe in uh, spending time in the Word, uh, uh, the community of saints, the gatherings of the saints, um, but then we also believe it's so many other means, but then there's also fasting. So fasting is giving up a legitimate need of the flesh for a greater need of the Spirit. A legitimate, not illegitimate, okay? You can't say, I'm not going to do drugs during this particular time. I'm going to fast from cracking weed, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's... That's not a legitimate need. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you're not doing your soul a favor by that. Um, that's, that means you fast forever from that, all right? And so, and so, uh, and so, and so that's what this time is about. This year, I, not our year's theme, but something I want to drill us down in because of the response from the message that we did a few weeks ago and going through 2 Corinthians. 
It was clear to me that we need to put on my war clothes. How many of you know you, this year you got to put on your war clothes? Listen, let me, let me just say this for free. This is, before, this is the sermon before the sermon. Don't go into this year idealistic, not thinking something's bad going to happen. Help me today. See, 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 see don't, don't have like these resolutions that put you in a position to not be prepared. See, some of us, I'm going to start my business this year. I'm going to blow up. I'm going to do this. And you got all of these different things, right? But the, the, the devil got plans for you. But ultimately, God has plans for you. So what, what happens is, is you don't deny that difficulty is going to happen. You just say, I'm going to suit up for this so that when it happens, I'm already scrappy ready in the spirit to get at some stuff. And so, and so, and so this year, I want us to put on our war clothes. Look at somebody next to you and say, put on your war clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I want us to meditate on that this week. So we're going to be here. We're going to be this year. We're going to be putting a meeting, meeting on Wednesday. It's going to be exciting. Come on this Wednesday. We're going to have a time of testimony, prayer, and um, just fasting together and seeking the face of the Lord together. You don't want to miss it as the body comes together for a time of worship, a time of prayer, and a time of testimony. And so this week is going to be beautiful. And let's write down some stuff that you want God to do this year in you uh, and through you and in your family. Have different sectors of it. Everything from personal life, family life, professional life, whatever you want God to do, don't overburden yourself with a bunch of stuff. Give about three things per area of life. No more than three things. Pray for them and then keep looking back on it monthly. And I can tell you from doing this for two decades is that when you look back at your prayer requests during solemn assembly and you begin like, wow, God did that. God did that. God did that. And so I want you to be encouraged by that as we dig into this and make the most of this week. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand to our feet. Let's uh, get into the scriptures today. We're in 2 Peter chapter 1. You know, every 24 months or so, I do what's called a spiritual checkup for the body and for us as we enter a new year so that God can uh, work in and through our souls. And so this text is sort of a text of strength and sanctification for us as we look forward to being who God wants us to be. Second, uh, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. On three, you start. One, two, three, go. Simon Peter, servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained mercy and Yeah. Yeah. 
Amen. Amen. Um, I'd like to tag our text today, uh, 2017 Spiritual Checkup. 2017 Spiritual Checkup. Let's go to the Lord. Father, uh, we want to check in today, and we want to have our souls and hearts ruled by your way of, of thinking and your way of doing things. And I'm praying, Mighty One, that you would uh, continue your service and your work in our lives as we are excited about a new year. We're excited about a new opportunity to serve you and a renewed opportunity to serve you in a, a, a whole nother year. And God, we're praying in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would utilize your word to shape us, to nurture us, and to help us to be all that God wants us to do. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust and help us not to be hearers deceiving ourselves, but help us to be ferocious, effectual, doers. In Jesus' mighty name, by the might of the gospel, we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. I call this the spiritual checkup because uh, I don't know about you. You ever uh, knew that it was your time to do your checkup with the doctor and you know you've been wilding? You know you've been wilding and you like, they told me to lose five pounds since the last time we met. So you're trying to figure out what this checkup is going to be like, and you end up setting the appointment but being extremely afraid of what is going to be heard from you about the nature of where you are in relation to your natural health. And in developing and dealing with and facing the doctor and hearing uh, whether or not your weight is good, whether or not whatever in your life is good, you want to go to that checkup because even though you're fearful of going to that checkup, what's interesting is you know that you don't want stuff to get so bad in your health that you let stuff go by for so long that something that could have been taken care of earlier has to now have more treatment done to it because you decided not to go when you should have gone. And I'm gonna just tell you, when you pass 40, you're gonna get scared in the mug uh, because it's gonna be a whole nother level. They start doing different types of tests to you. You understand what I'm saying? That's like, Dag, this is pretty evasive. <laughs> right? Some of y'all don't know what y'all talking about because 90% of y'all millennials, but keep on living, 15 more years. Just keep on living. You're going to have some evasive activity to determine where you are spiritually. Anyway, pun intended. Uh, same way with the Lord, but what, what I love about being in the Lord is when you go to him for a checkup, you don't have to fear what's going to be found out. Now, the issue is, there's going to be some messed up stuff that you're going to find out about you. Okay, let me just tell y'all that right now. You're going to, when you're going for a checkup, there's always going to be something. But what you have on your side is the lack of need to fear. Because God gives you the grace through the might of the gospel to boldly come before him to be checked on as you check in. Uh, you missed your shouting moment right there because I'm glad that I don't have to worry about my divine doctor condemning me with a broken script. But the script is already written. The question is, is whether or not I'm committed to pressing into him to walk into his healing work to sanctify my soul. Every year, many of us make all different types of plans 
of what we're going to do this week. The gym is going to be filled with people. Uh, uh, it's going to be filled with people this this week. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be people filled all over the place. Uh, Jenny Craig going to get billions. This you know what I'm saying P90X and and Insanity and Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers and Slim Fast and 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 and, and all the other ones that y'all might know of, right? <clears throat> but what's interesting <clears throat> is my question is, is our veracity that intense about the nature of our souls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Is, is, is it that level of, man, I, I have to do something about what's going on in my life? Listen, this year, don't make any plans without preparing your soul. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, let, let me say it again. So, so this passage to me, is a great passage to help your soul to be prepared for a year that's more than about what's on the outside of you. I don't care what does well on the outside of you. If your soul ain't right, your year is going to be a mess. And so here in 2 Peter, (coughs) this is an interesting epistle because 1 Peter talks about what's happening to the church. (laughs) So this persecution coming from the outside of the church of baby Christians in Asia Minor, who are being persecuted. And so what begins to happen is Peter writes to them to help them to remain faithful to the gospel as they walk with him and are committed to him. So what happens to the church? But second, listen, second Peter is not about what happens to the church. It's about what's going on in the church. Now, what's beautiful about this is he wants to know how is life affecting you and how rooted are you in the midst of all that is happening and that's going to happen. So Peter begins writing, and Peter's an old head by this time. He's an older man, and, 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 and his life is about older over, and he's going to be uh, crucified upside down. Jesus had promised this, and so Peter goes and he begins to talk to the Christians as a spiritual father in Asia Minor to help them to be anchored in the might of the gospel in such a deep way where they begin to look at their souls on a systemic level. And so he begins it by saying, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Christ Jesus, uh, or Jesus Christ. What's interesting here is that uh, he puts himself being a servant before he puts himself being an apostle. Now you gotta understand, this, this, you know Peter grew spiritually because old Peter from back in the day would have wanted, a, 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 you know, a billboard. You know what I'm saying? He would want that thing in lights. I'm Apostle Peter. He'd have probably been on the billboard in Jerusalem like that. You know, as you make your way on your donkey and on the highway, he wants you to see him. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but Peter uh, remembered, and, and it's, it's beautiful how the teachings of Jesus practically made its way into his life in a way where the subtlety of this switch happened. Because back in the day, you know, you remember how they was rolling on the road and they said they was arguing about who was going to be greatest. You know, like when Jesus come in this group, I'm going to be beasting it out. Watch. And Thaddeus was like, no, nah, it's going to be me. They arguing. And Jesus like, oh, okay, you know, so y'all going to big each other up on who's going to be the beastiest dude in the kingdom. He says, but let me explain something to you, fellas. Greatness in the kingdom is not based on self-promotion. Greatness in the kingdom is based on service above all things. And so it seems here exegetically that 
that Peter got something right because before he called himself an apostle, he calls himself a servant. And let me explain something to you. Servant is the highest rank in the kingdom of Christ. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me. It's 2017 and y'all still going to act the same way. But I'm so glad. But, but, but I'm so glad that servitude uh, uh, should always be preeminent in whatever title that you have. If, 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 if you're a mother, you're a servant first. If you're a dad, you're a servant first. If you're a doctor, you're a servant first. If you're a business owner, you're a servant per- first. No matter what, if you're a manager, you're a servant first. If you're an executive, you're a servant first. I don't care what in your life you are. If you don't have the disposition of servitude, you're going to get on God's nerves and people's nerves. Ain't nothing worse than a, than a person that has authority that's a, a fool. I'll just say that. It's nothing worse than a person that's smelling all the sauce on their body real, real hard and begin to, be, begin to develop a disposition that is irreparably able to be around. But, but, but what God does is it's something about a person that has power, everybody knows it, and they don't emphasize it all the time. <laughs> uh-uh. and, and, so, and, so, and so Peter's like, I'm servant before an apostle. I've healed people, but I'm a servant. I've seen demons come out of people, but I'm a servant. I've seen the dead raised, but I'm a servant. Uh-uh. And so in your life this year, I want you to be preeminently a servant before anything else. <laughs> you are a servant in chains. And I'm telling you, you can get, oh God, I'm, I got to move. Uh, you, you can get more done with humility than forcing things forward with pride. <laughs> you see, some of us, we on our grind. I'm on my grizzly. Hey, hey, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a, and, no, 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 no. Sometimes God will do more from you backing up than you trying to hyper push some stuff forward. There's some stuff that your pride messed up in 2016 that you trying to erase off of every social media and out of your memory. But, but if you would learn how to be a servant, God has a, see, the kingdom is backwards. See, the world teaches you to go for yours. I'm not saying don't work hard. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, well, I'm going to meditate and, and be lazy. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. However, however, servitude takes a disposition where others are more important than me. Help me. See, see, the, see the problem with many of us is we're the most important person in our life. And when you're the most important person in your life, you build your life around your importance. That leaves no room for the Lord, and it doesn't make room for relationships because nobody gonna wanna be around somebody that wants things done on their terms, their way, and in their central disposition all the time. I just wanted to give y'all that for free. I gotta move to some more stuff, all right. He says to those, he said, who am I writing to? To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Can I stop there? Um, Peter, as an apostle, knew that he didn't have an upgraded salvation from other people. In other words, I'm talking to people who knew that they were lost who knew that they were, we were all equally messed up. All of us had our different caper of sins. But, but, the, but, but the faith that we've obtained is on equal standing because everybody is equally messed up. And listen, if you don't believe, oh God, that you are equally messed up as the people that you condemn, you are in trouble. 
And so so, so Paul Paul says, listen, see, many of us don't believe. See, you want to come here and be to just encourage you, but I don't want to encourage you in your identity unless it's found in Christ. Okay? Now, the only way to be encouraged in your identity is to recognize what he saved you from. Now, see, some of y'all got secret testimonies that only you and the Lord know and that you're going to take to your grave. But some of us, some of us are admitting the messed upness of our messed upness and our value is not in what you see now. Help me today, God. See, some of our value is in what we see now, not knowing that you better remember where you came from. And I'm not talking about the neighborhood you came from, the family. I'm talking about the mess you came from and how God rolled up his eternal sleeves and got your crazy butt out of the sham that you was in because of the goodness of Jesus. I got to move. I got to move. He says, equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He calls Jesus God right here. He said, we, we, were, we were saved by the, by, by, listen, uh, our God and Savior. Uh, uh, this is interesting. The and makes the what's before it and afterwards equal to the, that which is the direct object. In other words, Jesus Christ is God and Savior. So if anybody, this is for free, exegetically and theologically, if somebody asks you, nobody in the Bible ever called Jesus God, Peter did it right here. He did it right here. He did it right here. I won't go into the Granville Sharps rule there, Pastor Larry. Anyway, inside joke. Um, May grace and peace be multiplied. This is his wish. This is his wish. May grace and peace be flagrantly thrown at you. In other words, Arene and Kairos. It's beautiful. Shalom and Chesed in the Hebrew it would be, but New Testament translation of that reality, not translation, but, but, but carrying over of that reality is God bringing comprehensive wholeness to your life. That's what he's wishing for the believers. He says, I want comprehensive wholeness. Oh God, I'm trying to get into the rest of this. Listen, your life has to be built around God making you whole. Oh, help me today. Listen, listen, listen. Peter is wishing for God's people that God's unmerited favor would overtake them. Just just favor. Now, we're not talking about that favor stuff that we hear all the time. We're talking about that favor. Listen, do you know it takes favor for you to be spiritually open to be changed? Help me today. See, 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 you don't know that your receptivity to God wasn't done by you. You and I are so messed up that God has to make us receptive. That's, that, listen, that, my friends, is favor. Because, listen, uh, see, some of y'all looking at me funny because you don't realize how stubborn you really are. It took the ghost of God to crumble you, to get you into a faith and a place where grace could even enter your life. Tell me today. I love this. I love this. So, 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 so he's, I want this to be more. In other words, God's already given it to you, but I'm just, he, this is his prayer. Man, I want it to be multiplied to you. I want it to be like, I want grace on steroids in your life. I want peace on steroids. I want the areas of your life, believers in Christ, where there is no peace, that God would just speak peace to it. And that there would be more peace than you need so that when you get in the next mess, after you got out of the other mess, that God has more peace waiting for you, even though you ain't even there yet. I got to move. All right. Verse three. Help me today, God. His divine power 
has granted to us all things. Somebody say all things. Oh, this is important. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything or all things pertaining or that pertains to life and godliness. This is dope. Reason why this is, is because when you become a believer, when you trust God through Christ, by the nudging and empowerment of the Spirit, God immediately gives you a new operating system. Your soul's operating system is removed and you are not merely refurbished, you're remade. And what happens with this is that God gives you everything you need so you won't have to ask for nothing, but you have to access it. Let me, let me see if I can make this plain. See, some of y'all keep asking for joy. Stop asking for it. You already got that. Some of y'all are asking for peace. You already got that. Somebody's asking for patience. You already got that. That's a part of the fruit of the Spirit. When you get saved, God downloads joy. He downloads peace. He downloads patience. He downloads faith. He downloads all of that stuff onto your hard drive. The problem with us is we got stuff in the way that pushes away our access to what God has already given us. See, so, 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 so God isn't sending anything else from heaven but the return of Christ. That, that's it. Now, this is beautiful because your identity is rooted now in the fact that God has given you all things. That means that everything that you need for what God wants you to be and wants you to do is already inside of you. Now, 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 now why, why does he put it inside of you? For this reason. Because it pertains to life and godliness. Oh, wish I had time. Uh, uh, life points to the fact that eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life started when you were born again. In other words, when you got saved, you immediately became an eternal being. Oh, God help me today. I wish I had a Pentecostal church right there. Um, uh, um, uh, in, in, other words, in other words, in other words, you, 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 right then and there, everything was sealed. So all that happens when you die is this body just peels off, and your spirit just yawns in the presence of God. Oh God, help me. Never mind. So He's given us everything pertaining to life. In other words, eternal life that has to do with real life. So, so when we look at this idea, when he says life and God, is stuff that has to do it here, but that supersedes here. Yeah. See, see, that's the beauty of being a Christian. Everything you do based on this is beyond here, but it's applied and engaged here. And so when he says he's giving you everything pertaining to life and godliness, godliness is the pictorial of what it looks like as the Christian is conformed to the image of Christ. I got to move. He says, through the knowledge... <clears throat> of him who called us to his own or by his own glory and excellence. I love this. This, to me, this is the best part of the passage. The best part of the passage is the fact that God called us into a relationship with him. We didn't call ourselves into a relationship with him. Now, see, some of y'all think y'all that fly. You wasn't. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, not thinking about them. God this points to eternity past. 
where God was chilling with himself, God the Father, God the Son, co-equal, co-eternal, different persons, one God, chilling together for eternity, hanging out, enjoying themselves, playing eternal golf with each other. God was enjoying himself. God was like, man, aren't we beautiful? He said, man, I'm just telling you, when I look at our grace, it don't make no kind of sense. It don't make no kind of sense. Our justice is so beautiful like this. God, God, God the Spirit said, I know, man, I, just our foreverness, you know? Our foreverness, you, you feel it, ah, that feel good. The breeze of my justice and mercy and eternality and omniscience and omnipresence and spirituality. They, God is self-sufficient, so God eternally enjoys himself. God doesn't need music from humans to enjoy himself. I wish I had time. God, all God has to do is look at himself. And God like, that don't make no kind of sense. <laughs> see, see, God can have an eternal selfie and look at himself and be the only person that's not vain. <laughs> Why? Because everything that he'll say about himself is actually true. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm going to keep moving. <laughs> so God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Father, God the Father gets an idea. He says, you know what, son? He said, what's up, pops? He said, I think I want to make some humans. Humans? Hmm, interesting. What you want to do? He said, you know what? I'm going to make them. And you know, we already foreseen that they're going to mess up everything. <laughs> yeah, they're going to mess up everything. He said, I'm going to slay you right now. I proclaim you slain on the cross because the foundations of the earth haven't been created yet. And he says, Spirit, I'm going to send you to do the work. So I choose, you save, you go get them. He's like, I like that idea, Pops. Let's do it. And, and so what God does is God in eternity past called you in response to looking at himself, not you. Be oh, help me there. <laughs> because if God looked at you, he wouldn't have chose you. Oh, y'all not going to talk back because y'all don't like. See, y'all like the theology that tells you, oh, you were going to be so good. You were going to be so great. You were going to do so much for the Lord. He decided to save you. But you got to recognize it had absolutely, unadulteratedly nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with God. Every, it had everything to do with he was drawn to you by looking at himself. Oh. That's why he had to slay Jesus, so that he can look at Jesus holding your sin, not you holding your sin. Oh, help me today. I got to move. So, so he says, oh, I, got, I really got to move. Huh? Oh, there's so much in here. I just, it's just beautiful. Um, look at what he says. He says, he says, who called us by his own glory and excellence in response to himself. He says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through, that's his promises, them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Yes. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world through sinful desire. We don't have to sin. We become partakers. Fellowship is the word there. Koinonia. Oh, I got to move. Verse 5. For this reason. Okay, this is a lot he said already. He says, for this reason, everything we just said, God choosing you based on himself, him giving you everything you need for life and godliness. 
because of that, for this very reason, he tells us what our role in participating in submitting to God growing us. You don't grow you, God grows you, but you're participating by grab a hold to the things that he uses to grow you. Okay. Look at what it says. <laughs> it says, make every effort. <clears throat> this is the grind you're supposed to be on. Make every effort. That means your life is to be preoccupied with spiritual growth. Help me. That means you don't take a break from growing. There, there is no vacationing from the Christian life family of God. So he says, make every effort to supplement or supply or, or, or some would say furnish. Furnish. Uh, furnish uh, uh, our faith with these things. So in other words, he, he's saying put stuff in your faith that God has given you to show you that you are authentically his. Uh, in other words, furnish your faith with the things that he's already given you to show off the fact that your faith is authentic faith. Uh, so, 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 th th that's very, very, very important. It's, the, uh, it's, it's almost like we're shedding, like a drummer would shed. Drama don't shed, it's almost like starting over after a while. Shedding, shedding play. So, so what happens here, he says, he says virtue. Somebody say virtue. virtue. So what you do is you go into your soul and get virtue and put it in your faith. Now put your faith in your virtue. <laughs> That's a whole nother, i go off on something else right there. Um, what's interesting is you, as you furnish your faith with virtue, it means to be committed to a standard. God is giving you the ability to be committed to a standard. That's very, very important. Uh, or, or some translations translate it moral excellence or piety. In other words, God gives you the ability to be committed. Therefore, there should not be any such thing as a non-committed Christian. There is no such thing as commitment phobia. For, for the believer, we are by nature committed. Help me today. So that's very, very, very important for many of you to know that when you give your word on something, God has given you the ability to follow through. Oh, y'all not going to talk back to me today. This is getting too close to home. But God has given you the strength and power through the might of the gospel to be virtuoso in yours. Let me, let me move forward. Help me. So, so, but you can't have commitment without the commitment having the standards to be committed to. So therefore, you add to your virtue to put in your faith knowledge. That means biblical information that informs the standard. See, a Christian without a biblical philosophy of life will be committed to a bunch of things, but not Jesus because it's not informed. So, 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 so what happens is, is you have the ability to be committed to a standard based on biblical information infusing what the standard should be. Let me see if I can make it real plain. You want to get married to somebody. It got real quiet in the room. And you see a six pack and some shoulders and a car and a house. 
Now you like, oh my goodness. <laughs> or you're a dude, and you like, see the shapely ministry? And you make a decision of commitment based on what you see. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. Let, let, let me just give y'all something for free and get mad at me if you want. I'll be shaking hands at the back door. But let me tell you something. You can have less in the flesh, more in the spirit, and have more. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. A big button of smile don't last long. Oh, I, I, can I, 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 y'all, I, y'all know what church y'all at. Listen, listen, listen. A six pack and some money only lasts five minutes. Let me tell you something. When you got a hellion, and no spiritual maturity, and you're growing, you're frustrated. That's why you don't need to make quick decisions based on a lack of biblical rubrics informing how you're committed. I gotta move, I gotta move, I gotta move. Listen, this year, let me tell y'all something. This year, don't make any decisions on what you see. Just this year, I know y'all had some issues last year, all right? Listen, don't make any decisions based on what you see until you get to at least pray about it. At least get in the word about it. Because some of y'all have made some decisions based on somebody's headshot. Oh, y'all don't look at me like that. Help me today. Because, because, because when you trust God, He will help you to make better decisions on what you don't see so you won't have to know what you don't see. You're going to get that on the way home anyway. So so he says, he says, he says, he says, add to your virtue knowledge. But then you have to add to your knowledge because knowledge by itself puffs up. So so what what has to happen next is you go from virtue to knowledge, knowledge to (laughs) self-control. Because God knows that if you don't add self-control to your knowledge, you're going to lose your mind. So therefore, self-control is the leash that God has given us for our passions. Now God, who is sovereign over everything, is the manufacturer of all of your desires. He manufactured them. He created them. Yet because of the fall, we need a leash. Because we're some fools. And so what he did when you got saved is he gave you the fruit of the Spirit. One of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Listen, that is the leash for your passions. Y'all heard me say it before. You know, dog breeding goes on in this region a whole bunch. Connie Corsos and and Mastiffs and all of these different dogs. You know what I'm saying? So if you got the little bath bath dog, the little one you pet and hold like that and carrying on, you just get you one of them little vinyl leashes. Because bath bath can't go nowhere. You just go like this and go back. You come on back. But see, but see, but see, there's the big joker. The he ain't got a bark. He just go, go down the street like this. You understand what I'm saying? He's going like that. Now, now for that joker, go get one of them little vinyl leashes if you want to. As soon as he yawn, that thing go, psh, just snap apart. 
But see, for that, that mug, you got to go to Home Depot or Lowe's and get you some link change. You know what I'm saying? You, know what I'm saying? you got to go get some link chains on that. That's what, your passions is like a big old dog. And what, you, what self-control does is self-control nudges your passions back to the spheres where God has freed you to enjoy them. Listen, listen, you are empowered by the gospel. The gospel has empowered you to say no. The, listen, let me, let me, let me I, I'm going to just stay here. I'm going to end on this because I, I got a few more minutes. The gospel has empowered you to not cuss somebody out every time you get mad. The gospel has empowered you not to click on that page that you like to click on. Come on, come on, come on, The gospel has empowered you to get out of that unhealthy relationship that you're in. Listen, the gospel has empowered you to not allow your pride to get the best of you. See, you need to apply the leash. That means you just make the decision. Listen, it's real simple. Lord, help me to use self-control. I already got it. Help me to go get it and help me not to act a fool. Now, what he'll do is he'll go 1 Corinthians chapter 10, provide a way of escape first to give you the room for your passions to get down so that you can take off the leash and lock your passions up to pull out of there. But see, if you're a hard-headed joker, that wasn't the Lord. I'm just, you know, I don't know what that was. The phone rang. I don't know what that was. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. And then you start going in another level. God is gracious enough. But then there's a point to where God, all right, I see you on the end where you see where this road has ended over and over and over again. Listen, I've saved you. So you're going to feel like a heel at the end of this. But guess what? I'm going to be waiting for you at the other end to love on you anyway. But I'm just trying to get you. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to, listen, save yourself some heartache. Listen, listen, stop acting like you ain't been through that before. This, let me give you something for free. Some of y'all have been through the same crap over and over and over again. You need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Listen, listen, that conviction in your heart, that's the Holy Ghost. If you're a Christian, you don't like that. Like you get sick, you get sick of just being pressed on. Like I got to get this together. Listen, you, because when you're a believer, your spirit tires of the flesh. <laughs> And so, and so although you know that God forgives and that he's waiting for you, the goal is not to press up against his grace in a way that takes it for granted. Grace is given for you to use your leash, not for you to be unleashed. I got to move. I got to move. I got two minutes. I'm the pastor. I know I can take more a long time, but I'm not. <laughs> Self-control. Steadfastness. Ah, dang, Lord. Steadfastness. Ah. Steadfastness is, to me, it's powerful. Because everyone in the world deals with difficulty. Everybody. Christians deal with more difficulty because we don't merely deal with it on the physical plane. We deal with difficulty in our soul and in our body. So we, so we feel the pain of suffering more than most. So God knew in eternity past that he had to give us something 
to deal with the fact that he hasn't changed everything yet. <laughs> Help me today, God. He gives you steadfastness or perseverance. Perseverance is the ability to stay faithful when life doesn't change. Oh, I wish I had a shouting church right there. Listen, listen, listen. Steadfastness, perseverance is consistency in the midst of adversity. That, that means that you, listen, listen, when you get over the fact that you're in a trial, there comes a point where you say, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do? I know I'm dealing with this difficulty. Finances is crazy. Sickness is going on. Am I going to just stay here? Or God, help me to go get perseverance. And you tell your perseverance, come over here. I need you for a second. And listen to David. David said, thou has delivered me in my distress. Uh, you, 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 you missed out on that proposition. He, he, in Psalm 4.1, he said, you didn't take me out of it. But you're so powerful that you cannot deliver me physically, but I can feel delivered spiritually. Yes. Let me just give you this as I close. Listen, listen. You ever been going through a storm in your life and hell was breaking loose and everything in your life was hurting, but for some reason, you don't feel as weighted as you should because something in your spirit kicked in. I ain't got nobody talking to me today. I, it's, 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 the, gospel, the gospel is so powerful that you can go through thunderstorms, tornadoes, and tsunamis, and you can be walking through the cars flying over the place, people holding on to trees, trying not to get pulled back. But for some reason, the believer is just able every now and then to just walk on through the trial. I wish I had some help in here. If you ain't never been through nothing when you needed God, when you had to have God, and you cried your last tear, but something kicked in on the inside of you. And when it kicked in on the inside of you, you knew that it wasn't your meditation. You knew that it wasn't your devotional time. You knew that it wasn't your prayer. You knew that it was nobody but the Lord. Bible teaches us. Let me tell you something that's beautiful about being a believer. In being a believer, God is a present help in the time of trouble. And the best deliverance that you can experience is being in it and not of it. <laughs> the more you allow the might and power of the gospel to kick in during those times, it saves you from unnecessary bitterness, unnecessary resentment, and then you begin to realize God is present. And that's why the text lets us know about brotherly kindness, godliness, love. And he said, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, spiritual growth. That means you get these and the more you use them, the more skilled you get at them. <laughs> says, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful 
in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. My prayer for us this year, my prayer for us this year is that we would be more spiritually aware of our lives. That's what this text is helping us with, being aware. I'm praying that we would have such great gospel awareness, such growth awareness, that we know what we need to kick into that God has given us at that particular time so that we can draw on his strength and draw on his might and power. Father, we thank you and bless you. First off, for your might and for your glory that you've given in Christ. Maybe there's someone here today and you want to place your confidence in Jesus.